James. We are in the book of James, and if you guys know me, I'm, I'm not usually a, a uh, let's read kind of a verse-by-verse guy. I'm kind of a, what they call a topical guy. I, I usually feel like God gives me, you know, a topic to talk about, you know, like, like love or, or worry or, you know, something like that. And, but I really felt like the Lord, you know, one of the things that he's wanting us to do is God is wanting us to know his word. I really feel like you guys in our, in our culture today, especially, that for some reason, the, the word of God has, has be kind of become something that's just, I don't know, it, it's, the Bible just is something that collects dust on your, you know, on your coffee table, right? It, it, the, it's referred to as the, the, you know, the spirit, uh, the sword of the spirit is what the word, you know, and, and Jesus used the word of God to, to defeat Satan, the word of God is our weapon. It's a weapon, and it's been given to you. It's also a love letter. It's also where we find God's promises for ourselves. Why would we neglect this? Why would we walk around life and say, you know, I, I need help. I, I don't know what to do. The thing is, is God has instructed you what to do. He has reminded you who you are. And he's even given you a weapon to fight against what oppresses you. That is what the word of God is. So I've just felt like, you know, and we went through Romans uh, a couple months ago. And, and now we're going through the book of James. Uh, we're on James chapter 3. James is kind of drilling this one point home, right? There's only six, uh, um, five, sorry, five chapters to James. And James is all about faith and works, okay? Faith and works. Now, you might be a little confused because if you've read any of Paul's letters, Paul talks about that it is by faith that you are saved, not works. So you might think, well, wait, is, is James contradicting Paul? But he's not. And, and hear me out. Paul is saying that, you know, there was a bunch of these people at the time, there was the, the religious people, and it was all about works. It was all about what you did. And if you worked harder, then you were holier than, you know, someone else. And, or if you gave more, then you were more, you know, somehow deserved a more special seat, you know, or something like that. But those are works. And Paul addresses that issue, and he says, let me tell you all something, you are, we're all on the same level playing field, and it's not by works. It's by nothing that you do, in fact. It is by faith alone that you are saved. And it is only faith, it is only believing in Jesus Christ what saves you. That's where you need to start. So Paul was trying to break down, you know, uh, uh, and break apart uh, religion, Right? Religion says that you have to do, do this, do that, follow these rules, be this kind of person, dress this certain way, and, you know, and, and, and on and on and on. And Paul's saying, you know what, that's not what it's about. That's not what a relationship with Jesus Christ is about. It is about faith. It is about believing. It is about knowing. So what James does is James actually picks up where Paul leaves off. He says, Paul goes a step further and he says, you want to know how to know someone who has true faith in Jesus Christ? You will know them by their works. So it's almost like James goes back to works. 
but it's, it's, it's a new type of work. It's not a religious, it's not a if you do this, then you know, you'll somehow be a better person. And, and, and what James is saying is, no, I will know that you believe by how you act, by how you conduct yourself, by how you treat people, by how you serve people. Those are the fruits so it is by faith that you are saved, but you want to know how you know that someone is saved? You will know them by their works. And that's what James, that's what J- the whole book of James is basically about. And then, of course, he kind of comes and he kind of just nails these, you know, these certain topics in the book of James. And that's what we're going to do today in James chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them to the book of James chapter 3. What's also a cool, fun fact is James is the half-brother of Jesus. And I think it's funny. And and this is why I think it's funny. Because if there was anybody who knew Jesus the best, it would be his sibling, right? You you know your sibling, right? You you know your brothers and your sisters better, better than anyone else does. If your brother or sister came to you and claimed that they were God, you would put them back in their place, right? You would knock them off of that pedestal. But James, actually, if you read his book, never mentions that he's the brother of Jesus. Never mentions that. He only talks about believing. He only talks about, you know, serving, you know, the Lord and serving the Christ. So if even James is referring to Jesus as the Messiah, then we better believe that 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 holds some weight. Because I know my siblings and, and God's they are not, right? Imperfect they are. And the same that they know about me. They, they know me because we grew up together. So James says in, in, in chapter 3, and by the way, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Uh, I, I only use it to read out of because it flows very easily. But I, I study in you know, New King James and, and some of the other versions. But just simply reading it in front of you today, it reads well. Starts in verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, by the way, that's you. Not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. James starts the conversation in chapter 3 by kind of a little bit of a warning. He says, hey, be careful for those of you who want to be leaders or want to be teachers in the church. And here's why. You're going to be judged. You're going to be scrutinized, right? You better walk the walk, not just talk the talk. And it happens. You know, when, when, I, when I was a nobody, you know, in, in church, when I was just a, a person who sat, nobody was, you know, coming up to me and telling me what they think I should do or how I should act or anything like that. I was pretty much left alone. And then I started getting involved in ministry and I started to serve. And, and I even became a, 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 a children's pastor and a youth pastor. And by the way, that's when people started to take notice. And that's when people started to come up to me and said, hey, you know, Pastor Matthew, you said... You should do this, but I don't see you doing that. And you're like, you know what? You're right. You you know who does that to me all the time is my daughter. I have a 14-year-old daughter, and a 14-year-old definitely keeps you in check all the time. I can't say anything to her because she said, Dad, are you doing it? Dad, you're, you're saying that. You're telling me to do that, but are you doing it? And there's been times where she's caught me, and I'm like, you know what? You're right, Bella. I'm gonna go do that. 
You know, I'll tell her, Bella, you need to be reading your Bible. Well, Dad, are you doing that? You know, Bella, you know, you need to be praying, you know, throughout the day. Dad, are you doing that? You know, Bella, you need to go clean your room. Dad, are you doing that? Now, obviously, she's more respectful uh, sometimes to me about it. (laughs) But when you become a person who starts to encourage others and starts to say, you know, this is the kind of life that you should be living, you better be doing it yourself is what James is saying. This is getting into this idea of, uh, of, of you. they will know you by your fruits, right? They will know you by how you act. People are going to know that if you call yourself a Christian, you better act like one. You know what I hear most of all about Christians when I talk to people who aren't? They say hypocrites. Hypocrites. And you know what I say? You know, you're right. I, I don't have a comeback to that. Because I tell them I'm a hypocrite. I'm one of them. I don't mean to, you know. I don't mean to be that way, but I, I am myself a hypocrite. But we need to be careful that when we're out there calling ourselves, you know, Christians, and when we're out there, you know, encouraging others, that we're walking, you know, the walk. And by the way, this is something I've learned as a father. It's okay to ask for forgiveness. It's okay to say, you know what? I was wrong in that. Because that is showing that Christ-like, right? That, that is showing that, you know, I, I am not holier than thou. I am not better than you. I, I messed up. And, and, and can I ask for your forgiveness? So, so when James is saying that it's not, uh, that not many of you should become teachers in the church, he's not saying that, that you shouldn't teach in the church. He's just kind of saying, be careful and know people are watching. Know people are watching you. Verse three, we can, make, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn where, uh, wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though winds are strong, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can get uh, can set a great forest on fire, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. James is using these pictures to try to make a point. Your tongue may be the one of the smallest parts of your body, but your tongue can do the most damage. Just like a ship's rudder, which is just this one little piece on the back of it, can steer this giant ship, so can our tongues by what we say, by what comes out of it. Now, this is where I struggle. This is where I have a problem. I grew up in an Italian household, and we talk a lot, right? In fact, it's funny, we'll have conversations in our, you know, when I was growing up, and we'll talk right over each other. Two people uh, can be having a conversation, and neither one of them stops talking, but yet they're somehow hearing each other, and you just, you know, go on and on and on. That was kind of my household. We talk and talk and talk, and, and, and even as I grew up, I'm, as you can see, I'm not a very large man, right? Not a very big guy. I'm not a very muscular, you know, person. Did not play football or anything like that. So my, uh, uh, my way of protecting myself was my mouth, 
right? I was quick. When I was in high school, in fact, here on this high school, if I got into to a situation, I was quick. You know, I was quick. And, and I've shared this story before, but I'm going to share it again because it's fun. I was in class. I was in English class here. And uh, this one guy was just, he zeroed in on this girl who had dyed her hair. She was naturally kind of a, uh, uh, I guess, a brunette, uh, uh, you know, uh, brown hair. And she had dyed her hair black, right? So she came in, and this one guy just, like, laid into her during class. I mean, was just making fun of her, you know, calling her names and everything like that. And it was kind of starting to bother me. And what was interesting was this guy had bleached his hair, right? This was the 90s, right? We were putting sun in and things like that in our hair and stuff like that. And, and this guy had bleached his hair, and it wasn't even a good bleaching. And I literally, when there was this perfect pause in the class, right? I don't know what the teacher was doing, which I sometimes wonder about half of my classes, how we were able to do all of this. But I, I basically said, you know, hey, idiot, look who's talking, and the class lost it because they all realized and think, thought what I was thinking. Like, who is this guy, right? So sure enough, sure enough, uh, lunch comes around and he finds me. And he's pissed because I had humiliated him in class. And, and, and I got a little bit of a roughing up, let's just say. Him and two other friends, they grabbed me and they kind of rough me up, up a little bit. And even still, I'm still bringing it back to them, right? Because that's all I got. That's all I got. I'm not going to beat them up, but I'm definitely going to take some jabs at them with my words, right? You know what I mean? Here's, you know, blonde boy, you know, bleach head, you know what I mean? Trying to, and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. But that's all I ever had. All I ever had was my words. But I'm going to be honest with you. Most of the time, my tongue gets me in trouble. Most of the time, you know, I hurt people that I don't even mean to. Most of the time... That, you know, I, and, and I have to be careful. And not only that, I have to be careful because I have the title of pastor in front of me. I thank God that when I'm on the freeway driving, people can't hear me. Because there are a lot of idiots, morons, right, on the freeway. Anybody else have a hard time when you're in the fast lane and you want to go fast and somebody decides that they get on the freeway and they want to go slow, but they get all the way over on the freeway and still go slow. I have lost my salvation many times in the fast lane on the local freeways here. Every day. But I thank God they can't hear me, right? You moron, you idiot, or sometimes a lot worse, right? But our tongue, our tongue can do damage. In fact, James goes as far enough to say is our tongue can be wicked. It, it's like a spark sending off a forest fire. And if you are from Southern California, you know how easily a forest fire can start. You know how easily someone could start a little flame. And the next thing you know, it's, what is it? it's not only destroying trees, it's destroying people's homes. What? That's just like our tongue. We need to tame the tongue. And James is saying, and by the way, he's relating this to our faith. If you haven't caught on yet, he's saying, because if we believe in who Jesus Christ is, then we will tame this thing. If we, will, we believe in Jesus Christ, we will watch what we say. We will think before we speak. Let's move on in verse 7. 
People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord, the Father, and sometimes it curses those on the 91 freeway who have been made in the image of God. I added the 91 freeway, by the way, if you didn't catch that. Yeah, with the 710. Right, yeah. And so blessings and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Anybody like me? That seems to be my, my, my daily life. Blessings and cursings can come out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. I don't know what it is, you guys. I don't know how it is I can stand up here sometimes on a Sunday and encourage you and speak the word of the Lord. And then on a Monday, like I said, I can be on the freeway and I can be cursing people. James says this isn't right. In fact, James says you can't control it. But then you would think, well, wait a minute. If I can't control it, why are we even having the conversation? But what James is implying is like, hey, don't forget about the Holy Spirit. Because what is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Self-control. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. Self-control. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. When I am in that situation, when someone is pressing me, when someone is about to get a tongue lashing from me and I'm ready to spew fire upon them, I call upon the Lord and I say, Lord, give me your Holy Spirit right now because I need self-control because I may do more damage, more damage than has already been inflicted upon me. This is what James is getting at. He's saying, guys, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, we need to tame this thing. And then he kind of goes a step further and says, by the way, you can't do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. You need self-control. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And if that is something that you feel personally that you're lacking in, it is something that you can freely ask for. Jesus said, listen, I will not deny the Holy Spirit to anybody who asks. Anybody who asks for the Holy Spirit will receive the Holy Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Does a fig tree produce olives, right? You will know them by their fruits, the Bible says. You will know them by how they act. And this is exactly what James is trying to drive home. You want to know, Christian? You don't even necessarily need to listen to them. Just follow them around a little bit because you will know them by their works. You will know them by the fruits that they produce. You know, I, I heard this said one time, and it's so true. You want to really get to know a pastor? Hang out with his wife. Hang out with his wife. You really want to get to know a pastor? Hang out with his family. How, how do they speak about him? Right. If you want to get to know somebody, you know, watch them. It's not just about uh, about hearing, you know, watch them. And this is what James is trying to say to us as as fellow Christians. And by the way, James was addressing a church that was under persecution. It would have been very easy for them to say, I'm out. I'm done. I don't want to do this thing. I, I'm going to live in my flesh. I'm going to. But James was encouraging. Him, don't give up. 
uh-uh, come on, let's keep pressing on. The world needs to know. They need to know about the love of Christ. They need to know that Jesus came to die on a cross for their sin. Come on, you guys. He's encouraging them. And he's saying, listen, let, let's, let's let our, our, our faith be shown by our good works. And he's encouraging us even in this moment. He's saying, so let's watch the way we speak to each other. Let's watch the way we talk. Let's call upon the Holy Spirit for self-control. Verse 13, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. This is what he's saying. Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Now, by the way, you can go into any situation and where you see jealousy and selfish ambition. I mean, you will see, you know, whether it's a company or, or a family or whatever, you will see it completely destroyed. But J- James is specifically talking to the church. This happens, you guys, in the church. Why do we do that? Why do we compare ourselves with each other? Why do we think, you know, well, that person looks more holy than me, right? That person over there seems to speak more eloquent than me. Jesus never, ever said that there was a hierarchy of of people who were cooler than other people. He never, ever said that. In fact, he said, you you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? How did he say to do that? Be one of the least. You want to be the greatest, be the least, right? You want to be in the front, be in the back. Jesus completely flipped everything we ever understood on its head. And James is just reinforcing this. He's saying, be careful of walking into a church situation and start comparing yourself to other people. That is ungodly. In fact, he says it's demonic. Because how did Satan fall? Pride. He looked at God and he said, I want to be God. I can do it better than that guy. That's how Satan fell. And that's what we're doing. When we look over at somebody else, I can do it better than them, or I wish I had what they had, or, or, or just simply comparing yourself to them, that will only divide and destroy. And James is warning us against that. Let's not do that. Build each other up. Kind of going back to our speech. Let's build each other up, right? Let's encourage each other. Because what are we all? We're all children of the living God. I am a child of God. You are a child of God. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism. He's just listening to it, you guys. He's listening to it. And is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. James finishes off this chapter by saying, here it is, you guys. Here it is how we should conduct ourselves. Again, not because we're going to earn brownie points, but because this should be the fruit of our faith, right? I, I forgive because I was forgiven. I am able to forgive other people. I am able to yield to other people. I am able to love other people because I was first loved by Jesus. I was first loved by God. I am able to act this way, not because I'm trying to earn points 
or be better than you. I am acting this way purely because it happened to me, right? I'm paying it forward. And by the way, wisdom is something else that is given freely, the Bible says. It says, it, the Bible says that if any of you lacks it, ask for it. And what does it say? That, that, that God is a gracious God, and because of out of his, uh, his graciousness, he will freely give it to you. If, if you're lacking in that area, you can freely ask, God, give me wisdom. God, give me self-control, right? And the next time I'm on the freeway, I need your Holy Spirit to be riding shotgun with me because it's about to get ugly. It's about to get bad. But remember, people will know you by your fruit. People will know you by how you act. People will know you by how you treat them. To be honest with you, I'm not sure that anybody who ever encountered Jesus remembered exactly what he said to them all the time, right? They probably remembered how he treated them. They probably remembered that they walked away whole. They probably remembered that he loved them. They probably remembered when they were the leper and nobody would touch them, that he touched them. They probably remembered when no one spoke kindly to them, that he spoke kindly to them. You guys, that's what the world is starving for. That's what the world is hungry for, to see the love of Jesus to see the love of Christ. But guess whose job it is to show the love of Christ? Ours, church. The power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Will you bow your heads and will you close your eyes with me? I want to ask you this question. And it's something that I never, ever, ever want to miss an opportunity to ask because this is the most important question I could ever ask. But if you have never, ever truly invited Jesus Christ into your life, if you have never, ever made him the, the, the Lord of your life, if you have never ever received the forgiveness that he offers and you would like that today, the Bible says this. The Bible says this. That if I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, then I will be saved. Remember, it is not by works. Thank God it is not by works that we are saved. It is through faith that we are saved. All you have to do is believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. All you have to do is believe that God raised him from the dead. All you have to do is believe that he has sent his Holy Spirit to come and dwell inside of you and help you. All you have to do is believe that. If you would simply say, you know what, Pastor Matthew, today, I believe. I've struggled with it. I've doubted. I've wondered. I've been distant, whatever. But today is the day I believe. Will you just slip your hand up so that I can see, so that I can agree with you in prayer, and I can encourage you as a brother, as a sister in Christ? And remember, it is not by works that we are saved 
but it is by works that people will know that you are saved. Amen?